All right, so we're back again. A little bit of minor difficulties, but once again, welcome back to Colin Up Film. On this episode, as you can tell, I'm not Mr. Colin. I'm one of his students, Yasmin Yomas. And today, we're interviewing the one and only Dennis Gale. How are you doing today? Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, awesome. I'm doing good. That's great to hear that you're doing good, too. So, tell me. I know you're like a jack of all trades. I mean, you started off like in a band, then you went into like photography, then film. Now you are like, oh, you created a production company and you're doing podcasts. What? Did, how did this all start? Can you tell me your journey and how, like a brief summary of your journey and how this has led to where you are right now? Sure. Uh, well, I was born and raised uh, in Staten Island, New York. Okay. So from a, uh, my father was uh, is uh, an Italian immigrant and my mother is from Long Island and uh, was born and raised there. And I always had a deep love of film. And it started when I saw 2001 A Space Odyssey when I was very young. And I always messed around with cameras and kind of learned how to edit on my VCR between like my parents' camcorder and uh, the VCR. And I always was playing with video and, and things like that. Uh, but then music caught my attention. And from the years, uh, from the ages of 19 to about 27, I was on tour uh, with bands for most of my life. And I was in a band called The Realistics, most notably. Uh, and then I kind of stopped doing music around 35 uh, and didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I was working in the service industry. I was working in um, as a caterer. Uh, and then one day someone asked me if I took photos because th- I, I, I was taking photos as a hobby. Once in a while I would make money from it, but not seriously. So uh, so I took photos of him and posted them on Facebook. And the next day I was hired indefinitely, like as a photographer, like from there. It was crazy. And then that was a natural progression to want to go into movies. Uh, and I made my first film, The Weeknd, which did really well. And uh, that was really, really, that was exciting to put out a a film, uh, my first film to do that well. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then I made a second film with with your teacher, Mr. Cohen, (laughs) uh, (laughs) called Death and Disco Fries. And then I made my third, my third short film, Lonely Hearts, which is, it's going to be streaming through festivals now. Mm -hmm. uh, And a full length documentary called In Flowers Through Space. So that's, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. And in between all that, I formed a, 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 um, a production company. Uh, and I also have a podcast, which, you know, I, uh, it's called the Carry On Picture Show, where I talk to filmmakers and actors and actresses. And we talk about life and creativity and all that kind of stuff and life and the business. Um, and that is a very condensed three and a half minute story of my life. <laughs> Amazing. Very well done, my head, Especially on the spot, too. Thanks. <laughs> Can you briefly describe to me the inspiration, to, uh, like going towards The weekend, for example, that's your first short film. What inspired you to write that story and create it? Well, The weekend was something that had happened to me personally. Okay. And uh, it was, a, it was a, a moment in my life and an experience in my life that touched me greatly. Hmm. And I remember the, the, the day that I said goodbye to this woman who stayed the weekend with me and, and, and she got on the train, I thought to myself, that would be a great movie. Yeah. And uh, I didn't have the courage to make a film. And my girlfriend at the time, we're no longer together, but her mm-hmm. name is Danielle Gould and she's the lead in, in the film, mm-hmm. The Weeknd. Uh, she said, I told her the story. I was like, I got an idea for a movie. You know, and she was like, 
I told her that the synopsis and she was like, you got to do this. And I said, okay, only if you're the lead. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we kind of took the reins and she helped me produce it. And we made this film and uh, it's, I still love that movie. You know, a lot of people hate their first movie, but I just, <laughs> I love it. It's so special to me because right. uh, it's a very personal story. Um, it's how I started my relationship with CJ, <laughs> Mr. Cullen. <laughs> And uh, it, it kind of launched where I am now uh, and got a lot of attention for me yeah. as a filmmaker. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I just, I love that movie so much. I mean, it, I mean, the whole run itself, I mean, uh, from what I understand, it had 50 official selections and then it has won numerous awards. And now it's like, you can even watch it on like Amazon Prime and Shorts TV. So like huge congratulations. Like that is Thank amazing. You. So Thank what you. was it like to experience the after production? Like, going to the film festivals, making those connections. What was that experience like that The weekend has brought to you? Great question. That was, um, that was a whole new world for me. Uh, <laughs> I will say that what was great about it was it felt like I was back on tour again, okay. uh, which, I, which I always loved. Um, but this time I didn't have to carry any equipment around. So I was really excited <laughs> about that. Um, I met so many people in that time period and I grew really as a person. And I got to meet tons of filmmakers that I kind of saw were getting ignored by the bigger festivals uh, that I thought were just great filmmakers, you know? And so that started me on the path to where do, where do I help to give these filmmakers a voice? Because we almost felt marginalized. We were like, we know our films are good, but they're not being paid attention to. And that, started to take me on the path of doing right. something like the carry on picture show uh where you know i speak mm -hmm. to filmmakers that may not necessarily be i mean i talked to filmmakers that have been in sundance and south by southwest but i also talked to filmmakers that may not have been but their films are really good or great and mm -hmm. really should have been in those festivals uh and to give them a voice um yeah. and so that was my experience uh, on the road with the film. It was what I also loved about taking the weekend out was the reaction. You know, you don't know if you've made a good movie until you've screened it for people. Yeah. And yeah, I, I chose to make a, a slow cinema film for my first film and slow cinema for anyone who is unfamiliar with it is one that doesn't utilize a lot of cuts. Uh, um, the pacing is a bit slower than most films. Uh, and I just decided to go for it on my first one. I said, well, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And instead of cutting, I just held on shots. Wow. Um, and it felt right to me mm -hmm. and I didn't care if anyone got it or not. So I kind of thought, well, people aren't going to like this. But then when I took it on the road, the reaction was so amazing and so good and the the best compliment i ever got was there's one scene where they're walking to uh pretty much down this pier uh mm -hmm. it's the it's the poster of the of the film too it's they're walking down this pier and i didn't do any coverage i just shot them from behind mm -hmm. because it was my instinct and the actors were like aren't you going to do any coverage? I said, Nope, I got it. It was a beautiful take. And that's the one I'm going to use. I just did one take of it and it was perfect. And, uh, they really were scared 
And they were like, that's okay. <laughs> and one of the biggest compliments I got was, I'm so glad you didn't cut during that scene and you just stayed behind. And this was coming from a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. And he said, because it gave the, the scene so much more meaning. Mm-hmm. And what that taught me, bringing that film on the road was trust your instinct as a, as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And never think, well, the audience is going to hate this because you have to make really hard decisions. Sometimes they yeah. may not work. Sometimes they may seem really scary and they may not work, but you have to try and you yeah. have to do, and sometimes you have to fail. But yeah. luckily my instincts were right. So from that moment on, from that question during the Q and A uh, and that, that answer or whatever, the, 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 that gave me faith as a filmmaker mm-hmm. to say, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's all about trial and error, especially like in creatives, um, and with anything that goes with, so with what you learned from the weekend, how did you bring that on to the one and only film just in Disco Fries? how did you bring that on? <laughs> um, well, I remember after making the weekend, uh, people thought I was like this, this, uh, uh, depressive author. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. I have a sense of humor and I really love comedies and I specifically love romantic comedies. So... I, I kind of wanted to pull the rug out from people and say, well, I know that you're probably expecting me to do the same thing, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I came up with this idea about a guy who dies mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, you know, uh, meets the angel of death, which happens to be his gym teacher. <laughs> and it all started coming to me like in bits and pieces. And I'm like, this is really funny. And so I just, I, one day it all, it all came to me. And, and actually the, the pivotal moment of, of the movie, mm-hmm. which I, I don't want to say, cause I want people to watch it. Yeah. But there's a, there's a big scene, uh, which always gets tears. And I love that, uh, because I'm a filmmaker and I'm manipulative and I want people to cry. <laughs> uh, and that, that came to me in a moment where I was coming home from North Northeast film festival which okay. is uh, Mr. Cohen's friend, Larry. And uh, I was listening to my, you know, my, my, my iTunes or whatever. And the song randomly came up mm-hmm. and I saw this scene. I didn't know how to end the movie. I didn't know, you know, it was, it's about love and death and regret. And I didn't know what the regret was until right. I listened to this song okay. and it all came to me and I went home and that night I wrote the 10 page script and that script is what you see on the screen. Yeah. I didn't make any revisions. I was like, this is good. Wow. This is good. You know, I just, let me just do it. But it <laughs> took so long to get there. You know, it took a while. Like it wasn't like I just wrote it overnight. It was, it was brewing in my head for a long time. And I think that that's important right. to know is that if something's brewing and it feels right and you're like, this really doesn't need a lot of revisions. Thank God. Yeah. That's Just awesome. Go That's it. awful. So can you describe that feeling of being able to bring your words to life on a big screen? Cause that I think is like amazing. Um, so yeah, bringing words, really it's a vision first, right? Mm-hmm. So the word, the words are just a vehicle. Yeah. Um, I, I think dialogue is really important, but yeah. filmmaking is a visual medium. So, you have to think in terms of shots and then how the words get you there, right? Yeah. 
So every time I think of something, I'll think of a funny piece of dialogue or I'll think of, uh, or I'll get inspired by a piece of art or mm -hmm. a song. It's a lot, a lot of it is music for me. A lot of it is listening to music and going, man, this would, this, I can see a scene now, you know, in yeah. my head. And yeah, I think that the words just kind of come like a, like a fissure, you know, like a, like a faucet, like it's just like you see, right. you see it and then you start to hear it and then you start to see how the words connect to the imagery and how okay. you can marry those two things. Correct. Okay, cool. That's awesome. So obviously the gym teacher that was <laughs> your angel <laughs> was Mr. Cullen. <laughs> so can you tell me what it was like working with Mr. Cullen on set? Well, he's extremely demanding. He uh, he wanted a cheese plate that was entirely made out of marble. Um, he, all of the grapes that he requested were supposed to be peeled and plucked, wow. except for one that he wanted floating in a woman's hat uh, in perfume. <laughs> I actually stole that from The Simpsons. Sorry. So, uh, so no, he's he's a joy. He's a joy to work with. I I've never had more fun making a film. Uh, than that one because I was laughing so hard as we were doing the takes because because Mr. Colin CJ as I call him is uh, he is he is one of the 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 a rare like untapped talent that I think people got to jump on because he's so good at what he does and he's so good at embodying the roles that that he's given and uh, and you know every time people watch that film. They're like, he's a gym teacher. And I'm like, yeah, I know. He's 100% your gym teacher. And it really, I mean, he just, it really worked. And I, I had, I had a blast. He's a great guy. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Yeah. It's become an all time favorite for the TV production class. He's always showing it to us. So, I mean, we have, I think I have like the whole story, like ingrained in my brain at this point. <laughs> but so right. like, going off of the movies and such, what is like one big inspiration that you take with you anytime you begin a movie project or such? Is there, like you were saying, music really helps you out. Um, could you explain more on that aspect? Like when you hear a song, is it right away something comes into mind, like you vision, or is it more of an idea? That's a great question. Uh, I, I like to, I'm starting to make playlists for every film uh, and give it to the actors to kind mm -hmm. of get into a headspace. Mm -hmm. um, with Lonely Hearts, with my last film, I didn't do that, but I realized how important it would be because I had one for myself mm -hmm. uh, and it guided me. It kind of guided me rhythmically and it guided me in terms of tone and theme. Being a musician, music is music is the guiding force in almost everything. Uh, and also when not to use music. <laughs> so the weekend has barely any music. There's like one full song. There's two songs, one at the end credits and one at the very middle at the uh, at the climax of the film. And uh, and with Death and Disco Fries, it played a huge part in that. And now in Lonely Hearts, there's a tremendous use of music, which I kind of pulled together. I didn't have a composer. I just kind of pulled together all these songs and they all fit. It all sounds like a, co a cohesive soundtrack. Um, but in terms of what inspires me as I go into a film, it's, it's just the excitement of making something. 
uh, and the excitement of like, I don't know what's going to happen. And the excitement of being on set uh, and, and, and knowing that things are going to change and that there's going to be challenges and that whatever comes out of this is going to be exciting and fun. And I think that's really what it is for me. And that's why I love doing it. Uh, yeah. And that, that's really what guides me every day to this medium. That's awesome. That is awesome. So obviously we're all locked in, in our own homes, but it's a perfect time to start projects and write. Have you been starting any projects? Have you been writing? Is there any creatives that have been coming out now that we're stuck in the house? <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. A great question because I, I actually have, um, I actually haven't been writing as much. Okay. I've been thinking a lot about what I want to do next. Uh, <laughs> And I'm working on a web, like I just started working on a web series in my head for this stand-up comedian that's here in New York. And mm -hmm. we're going back and forth about it. Uh, I'm thinking about what I want to do next. I'm thinking about, um, you know, we want to take Lonely Hearts and pitch it to, to streaming services. Mm -hmm. So we're working on a show Bible. Uh, what I've really been focusing on is my podcast because it's the easiest thing to do right now. And I was like, well, how can I make my podcast better? Mm. And what I did was I hooked up two cameras in, in my little uh, podcast fort that I call it. <laughs> and now I've been doing a lot of, you know, Zoom interviews, but I've started to put them on YouTube and it's, it's slow going. They're, they're not getting a lot of views right now, but I don't care because it's more of like, it was something I, w I wanted to do and yeah. something that, I wanted to challenge myself with and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do something. I'm going to expand on this now. So when I come back into the real world, it's even better than it was before. Oh, cool. And in terms of projects, I always like to wait and let things marinate. And the, the thing that I work on is the thing that comes and hits me the hardest. Right. So the idea that hits me the hardest and the one that's just flowing and is like coming out of me, like just pouring out of me, is the one that I go towards. Okay, cool. That's awesome. So I know you started the Carrie Allen production. Could you tell me, because I know you were explaining briefly about what really got you into helping out with productions. Can you tell me more of what really inspired you to start it and then how you started such the production? Uh, well, you know, I think that it was, a, it was a decision that I had to make because um, – having a production company legitimizes you in a way. Uh, it also, uh, it's, it was, it was for business purposes and boring tax purposes. Uh, you know, I, I wanted it to fall under an LLC, uh, but, uh, but in a, in a more creative way. Uh, I mean, honestly, it was just a business move. You know, I, I, I think that you have to have a knowledge of business if you are in this business, <laughs> <laughs> in the movie business and um starting a production company it it helped me encompass everything i do so the podcast falls under it the movies i make fall under it the photography i do falls under it the cinematography i do falls under it and uh it's also just like cool as hell to have a production company <laughs> <laughs> so why do you call it carrie allen that's everyone asks that so <laughs> Uh, so I took, I, I love Cary Grant, right? Mm -hmm. And I love 
Woody Allen movies. So I took Cary Grant's first name, Cary, and I took Woody Allen's last name, Allen, and I put them together. Boom. And I was like, that's a great name. To me, it sounds like a guy, you know, like this. Carrie Allen here, you know what I mean? Like, it feels like that. Like, yeah, yeah. very like, uh, you know, ch cigar chomping 1930s kind of producer name with his like feet up on the table. Uh, and and it just became this this thing for me. And I was like, well, that that name is going to be part of the podcast, you know, because uh, people call me Carrie when they email me. I'm like, no, no, my name's Dennis. I know it's confusing. But it's the Carrie Allen Picture Show, and also I just love the Ring of Carrie Allen Picture Show too. But uh, I just loved the Ring of that name, and I was like, "Wow!" And it's me paying tribute to two artists that I uh, that I grew up admiring their work, N not them as people, but their work, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and it and it and it, and it that, that's how it came about. Yeah, that's awesome. So you were explaining that your production, your photography, and film falls underneath it what would you say is like the pros and cons of both industries because they do have their differentiations well i think photography for me now has become something that has taken a back seat to all the fil film film work because my passion really is to make films i don't know how much longer i'll be doing photography but mm -hmm. i still have clients that hire me regularly and um until i don't need that money <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, um, that's when I'll stop doing it entirely and I can just live off of, you know, what I'm making from films um, and my film work and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's important that every filmmaker. So I spent before I made a movie, before I made my first movie, I spent. I'm going to say like three to four years as a photographer, right? OK, maybe three years and every situation you could possibly imagine, low light, high light, this light, that light, challenges, da, 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 da. And I really, I, in that short period of time, I, I did so much work that I got a really deep understanding of how to direct people, especially in headshot shoots. Yeah. I got an idea for composition. I got an idea for color, for lighting, um, how to use light, how to manipulate light. And that is what made me a better filmmaker. Okay. I suggest that everyone who wants to direct spends at least six months just taking photos and only focusing on that okay. six months to a year in the, in the least. Uh, and in that time you can write your scripts or whatever, but understand photography, because if you understand photography, you're going to understand how to talk to a DP. You're going to understand how to frame a shot. You're going to understand lenses. You're going to understand what lenses do focal lengths, this, that. Without photography, I don't think I'd be a filmmaker at all. So it's always, I'll always say I'm a photographer and a filmmaker because I was a photographer first. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's like the best piece of advice, especially, you know, especially for cinematography. And I know that you're a cinematographer and like you help create for like works for clients and stuff like that. Can you name like a couple of the clients that you've worked with and like which one was like one of your favorite clients to work with, whether that be for video productions or such? Sure. So I work, uh, I work with mostly like um, startups and independent people. Uh, mm -hmm. I've worked for some, some bigger names too. Uh, oh, there's a couple of them I can't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
things. But I think that one of my favorites is uh, I love doing client work because it's fun uh, mm -hmm. and you make money <laughs> and um, you get to you get you get a certain amount of freedom as a filmmaker uh, to do it. But I, I, I think that my most recent client who's they're named packed bags yeah. uh they make they make backpacks and shoulder bags and things like that um i've worked for them for like two years now and the last thing that i did for them was animation stop oh, animation cool. but yeah. but through photography right yeah. and uh that was one of the most fun things to shoot and i will say this about client work as unsexy as it as it sounds sometimes like oh they do client work or whatever you learn something every day as a filmmaker doing that kind of work you also learn how to talk to people who are paying you and how to get your creative vision across with compromise because there's a lot of compromise that's involved um but yeah that's that's i'm trying to think who else i've worked with uh they're all like I don't know. It's like nothing. I don't think it's any anything anyone. It's nothing big, you know. There's no like big names. And I mean, my photos have appeared in the New York Times. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. else? I know. I, I was saying like your work has like appeared in New York Times and then Quest magazine, and then you. Oh worked, yeah. Yeah, which is like freaking amazing. Like that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was pretty cool. That was that was uh, the Quest magazine was actually like out of nowhere. I was like, whoa, that and and. Uh, I, I, one of my first clients who's, oh, I can talk about Alan Flusser. One of my first clients who was Alan Flusser, who was a menswear designer. He's a legend. He did the wardrobe for the original Wall Street movie. I interviewed him on my podcast. Uh, you can listen to that on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you get your, wherever you get your podcast, folks. Um, and, uh, and I had shot something for him and, uh, and it was in, and, and he was like, Hey, congratulations. And he threw this magazine down and I opened it up and I was like, Whoa. And that is really cool. When you see something that you've done in print, <laughs> it's pretty good feeling. It's like, wow. Cause online, of course that's the future and print is dying. But when you actually see your, your, your photograph in a magazine, you feel like you've really made it, you know, you feel like you've really done it, wow. you know? So yeah. That'd be like an insane feeling. So, oh, it's, it's um, great. It's almost as good as seeing your film, you know, on screen, on a big screen in a theater for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So you were giving advice before, especially for those who are going to filmmaking to pursue, like at least learn a bit about photography. Is there any other advice that you would give either to the youth of the creatives or just anyone who's starting to try to get into the industry, trying to make that move into the industry? Would there be any advice you'd give? Absolutely. I mean, there's a few things. I mean, one, you, you have to be willing to fail. If you're going to get into this industry, you have to be willing to fail. And you have to understand that nothing you do is ever going to be perfect. Uh, in fact, you're going to make so many mistakes. Uh, but that's not a reason to give up. That's a reason to keep going. Because you're going to learn from all of those mistakes. And you're going to get better and better and better every time. Uh, watch movies watch movies i'm one of those people i didn't go to film school uh i think that you can only learn so much in film school and i think that you have to watch films and i'm not talking about like modern films the criterion collection is a treasure trove of film history it's like streaming like you guys have it the best 
When I was a kid, we had to go to weird movie theaters and pray that like something was playing. You know, we had, there was no, there was no way, like you had to go to like weird art house film, like movies, theaters. I still go to those theaters, I love them. And that's nothing too. go see movies in the theater. Like actually go, if we're ever allowed in theaters again. <laughs> Go see movies in an art house. Go see how it's projected. Go look. Don't just like look at your screen. You know, like look, go go experience a film in yeah. real life with people. Yeah, because it's truly a religious experience. Like it, it, for anyone who loves film the way that I do, or the way that you do, uh, that's how you're going to get better because you're going to notice things. You're going to see things, and you know sometimes you see mistakes, and you're like, oh my god, they're human too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, and then just, just be, be how you are on set is, is how you're going to be perceived for the rest of your life. I, I think that there's this misinterpretation that you have to be a jerk or, uh, really forceful or angry. Like I know, I know Peter Berg is one of those directors that's like, uh, held as being quite difficult. Um, I don't think you have to be that way. Yeah. But you also can't be a pushover. So, how I like to just yeah, I heard I heard someone describe it as uh, be an open-minded control freak. <laughs> okay, cool. And that is exactly how I am. I'm super open-minded, but mm -hmm. if it's not my vision, you gotta leave. You know, <laughs> not here. if you're not with me, you're against me. You know? So, don't be afraid. To have a vision and don't be apologetic for it and don't when you step on set mm -hmm. you're the director okay. let people come to you and have an answer and if you don't have an answer have a team that's willing to help you find that answer okay cool all right so to wrap this up real quick would you be able to just let everyone know where they can see your work um whether that be the podcast your films or your photography so on my website, uh, denniscallow.com, uh, you can find all my information, my photography, my films, trailers from my films. My first film, The Weekend, is on Amazon Prime and Shorts TV. My second film, Death and Disco Fries, is on YouTube and Vimeo. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's, if you just type in Death and Disco Fries in either of those things, it'll come <laughs> up. Um, my podcast is available. My podcast, The Carry On Picture Show, is available all across uh, uh, audio platforms oh, cool. um, and now on YouTube. So if you go to youtube.com slash dcalo, there's a playlist called The Carry On Picture Show. Okay. And I'm, I'm about like almost 90 episodes in, but I just started putting up like <laughs> video episodes. So that's a new thing. Um, Right. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Dennis Callow on everything, on Instagram, on Twitter, everywhere. So if you want to seek me out, that's where I am. And I love to hear from people. So, you know, they can email me at uh, Dennis at DennisCallow.com or the Carry On Picture Show at gmail.com. And, you know, that's that's where I'm at. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was an honor being able to interview you. You've been awesome and very good at on the spot questions. <laughs> so thank, thank you. you. I'm honored. I'm honored to be here. I'm I'm very grateful, and I'm really grateful that you guys watch my movies, and it means a lot. It means a lot that you guys are getting something and learning something from it. So, 
Of course, of course. Well, thank you so much again. And I hope you thank stay you. healthy during these very unprecedented times. Crazy, crazy <laughs> times. Literally, I, I just, it's like, wow, very crazy stuff. Each month, it's like a new level of chaos, but we'll see I what mean, happens. <laughs> how, yeah, how are you dealing with this? You know, and you're, how old are you? Uh, I'm going into college, so <laughs> it's been really interesting. <laughs> yeah, how has this been? Like, how has um, this been for you? What's your experience like? High school has been cut short. Uh, we're gonna have a virtual graduation. Um, and college, I don't know if my first semester is gonna be online. So it's like all a, it's all like a process, just wing it and hope for the best. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. But yeah. I feel it's a quarantine, honestly, now that like I'm looking at a more positive view, um, there has been so much good that came out of it. Uh, I've made a quote unquote Zoom family. I, I met this family through accidentally text. They texted me accidentally on a group chat um, and I just went with it. They invited me on a Zoom call and we just had a Zoom call. So it was great. So <laughs> that is what the quarantine does. That's the best of quarantine. Just got to bring people together. So yeah, it's fun good. time. I'm, gl I'm, glad, I'm glad humanity is present. You know? yeah. 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 We're lucky that we live in a time of advanced technology and hopefully hopefully things will get better soon and we'll come to some normalcy at least but i yeah. think at the end of the day it'll bring people together especially i agree well i'm glad that you have that that uh <laughs> that world view because i feel the same way awesome awesome all righty then so i think now if i'm correct i will have my next person coming in so okay again, thank you again and thank i hope you. to speak to you again soon anytime yes. I mean, with yes. Colin, we'll probably speak again. <laughs> yeah. Have a great day. Thank you for having you me too. on. All right. Bye-bye.